Um, I'm going to, in a moment, um, uh, talk about the Milton model of NLP. The Milton model of NLP is basically, in, in a nutshell, it's uh, hypnosis. Um, and in NLP, we refer to it as the Milton model. Um, it's the, you know, when you hear people around Clubhouse or around the world talking about influence, hypnosis, uh, hypnotic stuff, um, the majority of all that sort of influency type stuff, it all comes from the Milton model, um, which was found originally by the NLP guys. And then it sort of splintered off into many different other worlds of hypnosis and persuasion and all that sort of stuff. Um, the Milton model is also the sort of, it's the sort of model that a lot of people um, in sales use in order to overwhelm your senses so that you, so that they can put suggestions into you about what it is you need to be doing with your money and giving them stuff and all that sort of stuff. Bada bing, bada boom. So hypnosis. Now, I don't want to talk too much about hypnosis. I just want to sort of, um, sort of wrap that tightly in a bow. But, you know, just imagine when people are using hypnotic language and hypnotic influency type language and stuff, they're sort of saying things to you like, look, as you see yourself buying this car, noticing what it's like with you and your family, just imagining your kids in the back of the car and just noticing all of the great days that you can have with this as you continue to go forward. You know I mean, even the usage of language there, influency language, telling you what you should see, hear and feel and, uh, and, and so on and so, so forth, sort of overwhelming again your senses with, with words and concepts so that you, um, you struggle to think because the salesperson is putting images in your mind. You know, a good salesperson is good at doing that, right? So f focusing on the Milton model totally, um, a good salesperson is really good at implanting images in your mind if I really needed to simplify things. So if I want to help you guys um, think of, you know, because I know that some of you in this room, you've got goals, one or two goals or things that you need to achieve or you want to achieve before this year is over. Now, if you think about some of the goals that you need to achieve before this year's over, the more that you're thinking about those goals, the more of your mental capacity that you're taking up in order just to do that kind of thinking. Or if I ask you to think about a time in your past when you felt really, really, really confident, um, you know, the moment that you go into that state where you're thinking about a time in the past when you felt really confident, it's taking up space in your, in, in your mind. Um, uh, which could be used in that moment for other things. So again, a good salesperson or a good, a good person using the Milton model or a good coach, um, knows how to use this thing called a Milton model in order to overpower and take, take over, um, aspects of a person's mind. Now that's speaking about things in a sort of, um, a colloquial anecdotal sort of way. Um, now, um, something I don't really talk about here on Clubhouse um, is I'm what's known as an experimental cognitive psychopathologist. Um, I do, well, I've, I don't really do it anymore. I've slowed down now because I just do other things. But I've got a history of doing research with humans um, whereby I get humans into a little cubicle, give them a task to do. Um, and through that task, I'm able to measure their reaction times, measure their levels of anxiety, measure their levels of depression. And after I've measured all these things, I can then take that data and then make inferences um, and guesses about what the data is suggesting um, based on um, the different people's responses. So in the research that I did, I was doing research to look at the differences between people that are high anxious, so people that worry all the time about things, 
people that are low anxious, people who don't really worry about things, they just get on with stuff. And then you've got people in the, med- in the middle, medium anxious. Um, I would separate them out by giving them all questionnaires. So just explaining the research part, um, I'd give them all questionnaires and these questionnaires um, would result in somebody having a, a, a score um, of their level of anxiety or their level of depressive rumination. So I was measuring depression and anxiety. So sometimes when I'm on Clubhouse and I hear all these people talking about anxiety and I'm like, you lot ain't talking about research. You lot are just chatting about things that you say that you know because you read it in a book somewhere. Um, and that means that I'm researching that, you know what I mean? Now, while I was doing research, I found out and I learned a lot about how the human mind works from a cognitive psychology perspective. So um, I'm keeping away from talking about NLP for the moment and coaching and hypnosis. And I'm just focusing on cognitive psychology. Now, cognitive psychology is mainly concerned with the way that the human brain um, works uh, like a computer, how we compute things, how we memorize things, how we store things, so on and so forth. So sometimes when I'm doing things like branding and marketing and that, again, I'm using cognitive psychology because I'm thinking, hmm, how do people encode memories? How do people store memories? How do people retrieve memories? That's the cognitive uh, component of cognitive psychology. Um, also looking at things like language, how do we process language in the mind and that, and then sometimes I step over to neuro, um, uh, neuroscience. So cognitive neuroscience is basically understanding how the mind works and coming up with frameworks of how the mind works and then, um, putting human beings in studies underneath fMRI scanners or MRI scanners to look at certain parts of the brain to identify where certain things are happening and what's happening and when. Now, the technology isn't all perfect yet. Um, we make inferences from these things and technology ain't perfect, but there's a hell of a lot of really good stuff there. Now, so that's cognitive psychology and neuro, um, cognitive neuropsychology. And again, that's my, that's my background. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a academic research psychologist. It's only, you know, I just decided, I've just decided to really focus on neurolinguistic programming just because everyone's heard of it and it's just easier to, to talk about. Now, why am I talking about cognitive psychology? Well, one of the things that I uh, was looking into when I was doing um, research at, um, at a university over here um, was the function of something called work in memory, work in memory. Now, in the layperson's talk, we usually refer to this as short term memory, short term memory. So think about it like this. You've got short term memory. OK, that's where you remember things for a short amount of time and then it's gone. And then you've got long-term memory, which is all of the information and memory stuff that is stored in you for, well, a long time. So you've got short-term memory, long-term memory. Then on top of that, on top of that, your senses, like your eyes and your ears, um, they have some kind of memory as well. Like, so when information is coming from the outside world and is coming into you as a human being, um, the info, like the, the point between your eyeballs and the back of your brain where vision is processed, there's a very short memory in there of a bun- you know, a couple of milliseconds or something. Um, so it doesn't stick for very long. So you've got st- information that's stored for a bunch of milliseconds that goes through your visual pathway or your auditory pathway, your hearing pathway. Then you've got short term memory, which is for longer. Loads and loads of studies of, and research has been done around this, so it's just an accepted thing among psychologists. Then you've got long-term memory. Long-term memory is where you store all of the information. That, you know, if I said, oh, you know, tell me about such and such from when you were 10 years old or whatever, that would be stored in your long-term memory. Um, if I ask you um, about something that you did uh, three minutes ago, 
that's more likely to be stored in your short-term memory. Now, the short-term and long-term, they work together like this, right? The more something goes around and around and around and around and around in your short-term memory, or working memory, as we call it in cognitive psychology, after it's gone around a couple of times and it's circled a couple of times in short-term memory, it then gets passed over to long-term memory if it's relevant, and it will get stored in your long-term memory as something that needs to get stored. And then your body uh, somehow processes and stores things in an episodic way. So there's a concept known as episodic memory, like what you did yesterday, what you did last year, what you did when you were, um, I don't know, 18, what you did when you were 10. So you store things in episodic memory in terms of episodes of when things happened. Long-term memory, uh, things that you've that have just gone around a short-term memory long enough. And a short-term memory, things that happened not too long ago like literally like maximum of like maybe like t two, three minutes or something like that. Now, why am I talking about that in the context of coaching and hypnosis and this sort of stuff? Well, the, your short term memory, your short term memory, when I'm doing hypnosis or coaching, or I'm giving you information or I'm giving you information, if you were my client or a student or whatever, your short term memory is what I want to overload. I want to overload your short-term memory so that it's easier for me to make hypnotic suggestions or post-hypnotic suggestions. I want to overload that. Now, how do I do that? Well, in your working memory, in your short-term memory, you've got um, these three main bits for, for argument's sake. I mean, there's loads of arguments about different things, but in your short-term working memory, you've got these three main bits. The main bit is known in uh, cognitive psychology as your central executive. So your central executive is that front part of your brain, which makes all the decisions and stuff like decisions about what to do next, decisions about what to listen to, decisions about what to stop listening to. So your central executive, it's somewhere at the front part of your brain and your frontal lobe. It's a human thing. And that's, that's, that's involved in, in decision making. The other part of your, um, your, your brain, um, is two subsystems, two subsystems that, that are controlled by the decision making systems. These two subsystems are referred to in cognitive psychology as, um, the visual spatial sketchpad. That's the part of the mind which basically draws pictures in the head and it works out what objects are and where they are in time and space. Okay. So the subsystem, so the visual spatial sketchpad is basically, uh, as I say, it's, it works out stuff to do with objects, where they are and what they are. There's parts of the brains that, that handle that, parts of the brain that handle that. And the other subsystem is your auditory loop, your phonological loop. It's known as different things in different psychological papers. We just call it your auditory loop. Your auditory loop, you'll know, you'll know what that thing is because have you ever tried to remember a number? And when you're trying to remember that number, you sort of loop it around in your head, five, four, three, two, one, five, four, three, two, one, or six, seven, eight, nine, ten, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Why am I saying these, these numbers? Or you get, or, or your auditory loop, if you want to, three, two, five, seven, three, two, and you say it around and around and around and around in your head, because that part of your mind, your auditory loop, it needs to do that in within short-term memory in order to remember it for a short amount of time. So you quickly, quickly run to the cash machine or run to your phone or whatever it is and input those numbers real quick. And then what you'll notice is that after you've inputted the numbers, um, whatever that number is that you were remembering in that auditory loop in your mind, um, you'll notice that numbers or things that you were remember, remembering real quick just dissolve. You know, have you ever been introduced some, to somebody? I don't know. Somebody might say, oh, this is my friend Julia. And you'd be like, um, 
hello, Julia, yeah. And you might remember it in your head for a short amount of time. Um, and you'd be like, Julia, 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 Julia. But if that person is not relevant to you, like in general life or your plans or whatever, then you're going to be, then later on, after you leave that situation, that name is gone pretty much forever, unless somebody jogs your memory much later on down the line, um, so on and so forth. Again, so that's your auditory loop, which remembers the audio stuff. Your visual spatial sketchpad, which um, draws pictures in your mind of objects, where they are in space, so on and so forth. And these two subsystems are guided and directed by the central executive, the central executive. Now, we could argue that there's other systems as well, smell, taste, touch, so on and so forth, but that gets a bit more complicated. So in the field of cognitive psychology, they mainly deal with working memory and they talk about the visual uh, spatial um, uh, subsystem and the auditory subsystem, and they just focus on those two and focus on how your central executive controls those two and those two subsystems feed information to your um to your to your central executive now it was it was a bit of re- it was a bit of listening and research that I was doing in NLP where um one of the founders of NLP on a recording that I was listening uh, to he was talking about how when you're doing um, coaching uh, and or hypnosis uh, in the in the sort of Milton style, what you're basically doing is you are di- di- directing people's consciousness. You're, you're sending people's co- consciousness in a direction. You know, people. So talking in a in a in an NLP fashion now. Um, when you've got your client, your client's got problem, problems or issues or challenges or whatever, because their consciousness, according to Bandley, their consciousness is pointing in a particular direction. Their consciousness is focused on um, videos and images of negative things that's maybe happened in the past, or their consciousness is focusing on, on the wrong goal in terms of, you know, the comparison in terms of where it is they really want to go. So their consciousness is always going in a direction. So using neurolinguistic programming, using meta model, um, talk and other aspects of uh, NLP, what you're doing is you're shifting people's consciousness, shifting people's consciousness. You know, so somebody might come to me in a problem state and I'm doing whatever I need to do with their mind cognitively to help shift their cognitive, um, shift their critical, uh, mind or whatever away from, away from, um, the moment or whatever. And then I can make suggestions to their, to their, to their, to their consciousness, right? So conscious, I hope this is making sense. Um, if anyone, if anyone's got any points or questions or anything you'd like me to elaborate on, or I'm going too fast or whatever, feel free to just send me a message on the back channel. Um, differently, if anyone wants, uh, wants a copy of it, I'm currently sitting here. Um, and this is, I'm, I'm recording what I'm saying, um, cause if it's good, I'm going to use it for the, for the old podcast thing. Um, so talking about consciousness. So, if I, as a coach or a hypnotist or a salesperson or whatever, or a teacher, if my main job is to overload somebody or is direct somebody's consciousness, the direction of their consciousness and overload their subsystems, overload that, that auditory loop part of their mind and overload that, um, that visual sketchpad part of their mind. How do I do that? Using the Milton model, um, again, I, I recognize that some of you in your room would be familiar with this and some of you won't, but hopefully the concepts, uh, I'm keeping it simple enough, hopefully. Um, when I'm talking to somebody using the, the, the meta model or any of the other models in, in neurolinguistic programming, but sorry, the Milton model of neurolinguistic programming, um, what I'm doing is in order to overload their auditory loop is the moment when I'm, I've decided that I'm going to take somebody into, uh, hypnotic state, what I'm probably going to be saying 
to my client is things, uh, the way I'm talking to my client is going to be along this sort of line. As you continue to listen to the sound of my voice, noticing some of the sounds of the room around you, notice the feeling of your bum on the seat beneath you. As you continue to pay attention to some of the other things that you can hear around you now, as you continue to notice just how easily you can relax. See, this type of language, right? So when I'm um, piecing the bits of language together, saying things like, as you listen, so what did I say a moment ago? As you listen to the sound of my voice, that's one thing, right? And you pay attention to the feeling of the seat beneath your bum. That's another thing. As you continue to notice some of the thoughts in your mind right now, which are helping you or hindering you in understanding this, that's another thing. As you continue to relax, that's another thing. Now, in between each of these um, sensory um, ideas, these, uh, these, pro these sensory processes, which I'm guessing is probably true for the person sitting in front of me, in between each of those sentences, I'm saying things such as, um, notice I'm saying things such as, and no, as, while, during, when, after, before. I'm saying words um, in between each sentence, which link each sentence. So as you listen to the sound of my voice, while you sit there paying attention to your breathing during this session, when you get new ideas and it's starting to begin to make sense to you, as you continue to listen to the sound of my voice, you don't need to pay attention to the other sounds around you. You don't need to pay attention to the light in the room or the temperature upon your face. Again, between each sentence, I'm saying as, while, during, when, after, before. Um, there's other tricky words that I'm sticking in there. And, with, now, you will, makes you, so on and so forth. So I'm saying these words in between each sentence. Why am I doing that? Because if I'm able to link one sentence with another sentence and another sentence, like three sentences together, and I can have your mind trying to hold on to those three sentences as if they are one thing, then already I have begun to overload the uh, your auditory loop. That thing where you usually, you, 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 that thing in your mind where you're usually thinking to yourself, I want to take over. When I'm doing hypnosis, obviously I'm being explicit now, but when I'm doing hypnosis, I want to take over your critical faculty. I want to move your conscious mind out of the way. The only way to move your conscious mind or your working memory out of the way is by filling up those subsystems, the auditory loop and the uh, visual um Sorry, the visual sketchpad, visual spatial sketchpad. So the parts of your mind which are seeing things and hearing things. Now, if I was to ask you or my client or whatever, can you think of a time in the recent past? Can you think of a time in the recent past where you you felt really, really pleased with yourself? I don't need to share it with me. But um, can you think of a time in your past when you felt really pleased with yourself? Now, if you can do this, if you can fully go back to a time when you felt really, really and truly pleased with yourself, I don't care whether it was cooking, sex or driving your car to somewhere, but just think of a time in your life when you felt really pleased with yourself. Now, if you were to go fully back to that memory right now, seeing whatever you saw, hearing whatever you heard and really feeling whatever it is you feel as you continue to do something that, like that. Now, if you fill your mind with what you saw, heard and felt, 
Um, the moment you start looking at whatever it is you saw in that moment, really seeing it really bright, really clearly, um, close up, seeing everything, um, uh, completely bright and, 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 and clear in front of you. So you can almost see it as if it's right now. The moment that I'm doing that with somebody, what, what's happening in that moment is I'm filling up their visual spatial sketchpad visual spatial sketch by which is one of those two systems um which feeds information to the uh to that part of you that makes decisions that part of you that makes decisions so filling up your visual spatial uh, sketchpad so if i'm then as a hypnotist and i hope this is making some sense if i'm filling up your auditory loop by saying things like as you continue as you continue to listen to the sound of my voice um noticing some of the sounds that are around you as you continue to even pay attention to your breathing sitting there and just allowing the feeling of the seat beneath you to just take precedence as you continue to breathe as you continue to listen to the sound of my voice saying these things and especially if you say in a hypnotic way some accents struggle with this hi if you just like go deep down inside yourself doesn't work you've got to do things in a hypnotic voice speak quieter speak slower so if i'm filling up your auditory loop and your visual spatial sketchpad those two systems again this makes it that i um because those aspects of you are sort of filled up with me saying a whole bunch of stuff it gives me access to your um to that decision making part of you and it gives me it allows me to be able to bypass your critical thinking and get through to that central executive now flipping back to cognitive psychology for a moment um talking about the central executive that part of you that makes uh decisions and whatnot when your mind is going in a particular direction that that central executive part of you there's five processes. You don't need to remember this. Again, if anyone wants a copy of this uh, recording, please let me know. Um, it's my, you know, it's not even a, it's not even too much of a lead magnet yet. I'm just putting it out there for, for people to listen to on my podcast page on my directly on my website. But when your mind is doing stuff in any given moment, every single one of you right now in this room, you're doing five processes all at once in your dis in that decision making part of your mind which is uh listening to me right now there's five things that your mind is doing all at once all simultaneously monitoring you're monitoring what's going on what's coming into your ears what's going on in your eyes if you're looking at this app you're monitoring through your senses you're planning there's a part of your brain which is planning your next move planning whether to listen planning whether to go planning whether to stay planning this planning that your mind is always planning yeah, you're not necessarily always or consciously or consciously aware of this, but your mind, even when you're not thinking about it, your mind is always planning. It happens when you're sleeping, happens when you're not thinking about it, all of these processes. So monitoring, planeting, planeting, planning. Um, another thing that happens um, simultaneously is updating. So based on the information that's coming in to your senses, your mind and brain needs, uh, your, your mind and brain and your short term memory needs to continuously update, 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 constantly update information in order to, to make uh, correct decisions. And again, this is all going on at the same time. The other thing that your short-term memory is doing is shifting. It's shifting your attention from one thing to another. People often talk about multitasking um, and that, but what's it called? You can only ever place your attention on one thing at once. When you're multitasking, it's just your attention flipping very, very fast from one thing to another um, uh, through the shifting process, the shifting process um, in short-term memory. And last but not least of these five processes that happen for all of you right now is inhibition. Inhibition is the function. I, this is very, very important for, um, for the study of anxiety and depression. Inhibition is the ability to block out things that your, as far as your brain is concerned, it does not need. So 
you know, before I point out that somebody can feel the ceiling of, uh, sorry, feel the feeling of the seat beneath their ass, before I point out that you can control your own breathing now and take control of your own breathing, that is something that your mind would inhibit. There's no need to think about it. Yeah. As you go through life consciously and unconsciously, you're inhibiting and you're blocking things all the time. Now, the reason that I say inhibition is an extremely uh, important thing, especially in the subject of anxiety and depression, is when somebody experiences um, non-clinical, just go with non-clinical anxiety and depression. So not not clinical where you've got to be at the doctor and you've got to be um, in a psychiatric thing, but just on an everyday basis, we all experience some form of anxiety and depression on a regular basis, all humans. Um, if a human says they, they don't, they're, 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 they're lying. But um, all human beings, when, and again, this is, called, this is on the cognitive psychology thing, uh, less NLP, all human beings, um, if you are experiencing uh, and anxiety. So for the purposes of cognitive psychology, anxiety right now, right here is worry. The cognitive component of anxiety is worry, worrying about the future or worrying about, um, internal or external threats, worrying about internal or external threats. Um, that's, that's what we're talking about when I'm, when I'm talking about anxiety, this is, this is, um, that's what that's about. So when, when the inhibition function of your short-term memory, when the inhibition function of your decision-making skills is um, reduced, you are more prone to anxiety and depression. When your ability to focus, when your ability to block unnecessary things out, task irrelevant things, when inhibition is reduced, you are more prone to distraction, which means being distracted by things that are not relevant to you, which probably hold you back in life or give you anxiety, give you depression, give you this, that, and the other. Um, uh, yeah, I'll leave that at that. I don't want to go too, too much down that thing there. But yeah, five processes going on for all of you right now, monitoring, planeting, updating, shifting, and inhibition. Um, some other day, if you want me to talk about anxiety, then um, I'll, I'll go into that on a, on a bit of a deeper thing. But for process of uh, purposes of today, I want to point out that those of you who are coaches, or if you're just if you just even want to be aware of what it is, coaches, salespeople, um, and hypnotists and change workers do, the whole point purpose of a change worker when they're helping you is to lower your inhibition function so that they can implant suggestions in your mind that are going to help you. Um, purpose of a hypnotist is also to shift your attention from outwards to inwards so outwards to inwards sometimes outwards but if it's outwards it's got to be focused on a very specific thing now again hypnosis strings ideas together which which lead to filling up your mind and all these different processes that i've just mentioned hypnosis strings um various different ideas together which sort of over overtakes and overpowers your mind and allows the hypnotist or the nlp practitioner or the salesperson or whatever whoever it is that's doing the influence it allows them access to your to, to your unconscious, to your unconscious uh, mind. Other things that hypnosis um, professionals do and, um, and NLP practitioners do in order to fill up your, uh, your, your short-term memory, your working memory is using, uh, using other, th there's other little tricks as well. Again, I'm not going to go too deep into it, but it is aspects of the Milton model, which is the hypnotic model of NLP. Um, using, using very non-specific words to, again, get the conscious mind out of the way. Words such as wonder, 
I wonder if you could think right now about times in the future where you know that you will need some additional resource and just allow yourself to feel a sense of wonder as you continue to wonder about things out in the future that you need to remember. Because there's sometimes in life when you need to remember the things that you need to forget so that when certain things happen in your life, you remember to forget the things that you did not need to remember in the first time, first place, because this will allow you to have an experience where you can understand, become aware of, and notice just how resourceful you are. Your mind can review more feelings, memories, and thoughts related to your learning, but you don't yet know which will be the most useful to you. I wonder whether you really know how easy it is just to do things like this. You don't have to close your eyes because you know more now than you knew before. And just notice which parts of what is being said now are going in and which parts just aren't. Can you focus your mind's eye on the necessary thing? Are you focusing on the language that I'm using or are you focusing on those words in your head? If you're inside your head, get out of there. There should be a sign in the inside of brains, just like there is on the motorway, which says you're going the wrong way. But the thing is about the signs on the motorway, I don't think they're good because sometimes you get onto the motorway and there's a sign on there saying you're going the wrong way. By that time, I think it's already too late. By that time, it's just too late. So again, those of you who are inside your mind right now, let's not think about that right now. And just pay attention to what I'm saying as you are sitting there, many of you listening to me right now. And as you continue to listen to the sound of my voice, noticing there's loads of different hypnotic devices being used in here. Now, I know that you wonder and you are wondering where this is going. And it's a good thing to wonder because if you're wondering, then that means you're going to learn something new. And everything, every single thing that you can learn will provide you with new insights and new understanding. And you can learn, can't you? One can learn, you know, and it's better to do that because you might want to learn something quickly or slowly or even right now. Again, that's me. Just uh, I'm going to stop there. But there's loads and loads of a linguistic device that I do in hypnosis. One, this is usually when the person's got their eyes closed, but sometimes when their eyes are open as well. Um, conversational hypnosis is quite fun. Um, but when I'm doing that kind of trickery and that kind of word type stuff and uh, influencing persuasion, hypnosis, blah, 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 blah. Again, my main aim is to be overloading the person's short-term working memory as they continue to relax with their eyes closed, feeling more comfortable, so on and so forth, so that I can bypass their uh, conscious mind and make suggestions, positive suggestions that help them, positive suggestions such as there are resources that you have and you know what resources you have deep down. And now maybe it's time to pay attention to those parts of you deep down that know that you can achieve all sorts of things in the future. Getting in touch with the parts of you that know, the part of you deep down, that unconscious mind which controls your heartbeat and the rhythm of your breathing, that part of you that controls all the positivity, the confidence, the motivation that's buried deep down inside, noticing just how you can access those resources now, just as you've done in the past. And notice if you take those resources from the, blah, 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 I'm going to stop there. But um, all of that, the main aim is to overload, again, the phonological loop, the auditory loop, sorry, um, the visual spatial sketch pad by getting the person to think about a whole bunch of stuff. Whilst also, um, once I've got the person sort of relaxing, eyes closed, all that sort of stuff, it's also reduced the inhibition function, which allows more of my communication to go in and it allows me to make suggestions um, and, and guide the person's uh, mind. 
again, I recognize that there may or be may or may not be one or two people in this room that are not familiar with the Milton model of NLP. If you want to get familiar, guess what? Come to one of my masterminds and you can learn this stuff. Um, it's all relatively easy. Um, takes like a couple of months to fully get it on board, but in the space of one session, I could literally, um, one like two hour session or whatever, I could literally show you all of the linguistic devices that are necessary in order to, in order to do this kind of stuff, uh, conversationally or in a formal setting. Um, now this is the kind of coaching, um, that I'm, that I do. I do, I do hypnosis and I do, I mean, sometimes I don't even want to use the word coaching bastardized on here on Clubhouse, isn't it? Um, but, What's it called? When I'm doing um, coaching, um, one thing that I, I've taught, and, well, anyone that's been to any of my practice groups, you'll know um, it's all about getting people in trance straight away. That's why those of you who have come to my practice group and those of you that have been to my practice groups, you'll, you'll know that when we get into practice, it's just like, let's just go straight for trance. Here's a step-by-step process. Get the person to close their eyes. Invite your client to relax. Give them lots of positive suggestions. And if some of you will remember uh, last week, I think I've got you practicing the art and science of giving people positive suggestions, not just for the technique, but you know, while we're still going through whatever it is the world's going through at the moment and the, you know, anxiety in the air is at fever pitch, practicing the art and science of saying um, positive things to other people is a good thing. You know, um, I, how many times do people, people in this room, all of you, how many times do you, as you're just going through life, you know, for the last 16 months or whatever, 18 months, whatever it's been, how many times do you come across people that want to start um, start throwing a neg- throwing what's going on for them, the negative aspects of their life at you. Um, and sometimes when you're bored or tired or sleepy or whatever, um, sometimes you get caught up in these conversations. You know, somebody might start a conversation with me. I, again, I use, I use lots of Milton model stuff um, to mess with people's uh, uh, cognitive cognitions and what, when they want to start conversations with me about vaccines, COVID or death statistics, Anyone that's stupid enough to start a conversation like any of those with me, um, immediately I'm, I'm going straight. I'm, I'm, before they're even half finished with their sentence, I'm already thinking, what am I going to do to stop them straight away? Um, and put pitch images in their minds that help them to realize that maybe there's no point going further. So if somebody says, Oh my God, have you heard about how many people are dying? Whoa, huh? Do you know what? Yeah, I don't actually own a TV. Don't really use Facebook. I'm so busy focused on my business and people are like, yeah, but you're, you know, vaccine. And I, but do you know what? I don't, I don't, oh, don't really get involved in those kind of conversations, really. I don't know if you want to have a conversation with me about uh, the human genome, uh, genetics, virology, and the action of um, M- uh, messenger ribonucleic acid and stuff. If you really want to have a conversation about stuff on that level, I will do that with you all day long. But if you're going to sit here talking to me about stuff that you learn, actually, I don't say it this route. I usually say, look, do you know what? I haven't got a TV. I ain't got Facebook. I've got no idea what's going on in the world. I stay out of that kind of stuff. Or if I want to be really ghetto and Jamaican about it, I'm like, well, I don't really know. They don't really know about them kind of things. You know, I'm kind of ignorant still. You get me? It, well, I'll go on with you, though. You're safe. <laughs> End them conversations. You know what I mean? Um, whatever it takes to, to, to sort of overload those systems in the mind. Anyway, wow, I've gone for a little longer than I planned to. Originally, I was going to speak about this for about 20 minutes. Um, I would love feedback from you all. If this has been an interesting uh, topic, um, um, please let me know. Market research feedback is really good for me to know if you guys want to hear more of things or less of things. 
for the first half of this year, those of you who are around me enough, um, you'll know that I was mainly just doing shitloads of introduction to NLP. And um, now and again, we uh, in the middle of the year, I went for a phase of playing lots of games on here. Like, hey, everyone, come to the stage. Let's play games, language games, metaphor games, and stuff like that. That was really good for, for sort of practicing um, uh, language techniques, so on and so forth. Um, but at the moment, um, if you notice, this clubhouse is locked. I've opened it to members only. So you guys are really special um yeah more often than not these days when i'm doing something serious i want to block the room from trolls and i want to block the rooms from um people coming up onto the stage and saying things like oh i'm on the stage what are you talking about because I, I usually find myself just sarcastically replying um can you read the room title and they'll say oh milton model explained using cognitive oh what i don't understand you explain to me what is that you know, I'm doing it in the terrible accent. It, it, there was a phase that we went through. It was mainly, um, uh, yeah, it was mainly in the middle of summer. It got really, really ridiculous. So what I've started doing more recently is I've, um, uh, when I'm doing a more serious uh, talks like this is I'll lock the room and I'll talk about um, academic subjects, which is today is very academic and I've mixed it up with um, hypnosis, um, Milton model type stuff. Other days, um, simple stuff, more focused stuff to do with specific, some specific aspect of NLP, so on and so forth. If you ever see a room and the title of the room is something that you don't recognize or something that you're not aware of, it's probably because I'm just going to go straight into talking about a very specific subject and aspect of NLP, um, which you might not know, but if you come along to the room, you may well learn something very, very new. Um, so... Um, stuff to do with um, the Milton model, meta model, how to listen to people. Um, so as an NLP practitioner, um, I'll talk about this some other day. I've, I've done it twice this year already, but I do want to do it again. As an NLP practitioner, when people are talking to me I'm and, and I switch on my NLP practitioner mode, um, I filter out what they're saying to me based on these three uh, things. I filter out um, the generalizations that people are making. I filter out the distortions of reality that they're saying to me. And I filter out the deletions, the things that they're not saying. No, for example, I know that, um, uh, actually, no, I'm not going to do that now. But hello, Golden. Crikey. Um, do you know what, when, Golden, when you're uh, in the room and on stage and that, there's people, there's people that hit me up after and they say that you're, you're an interesting case because they're picking up on the usage of language that you have and the amount of deletions that you're, that you've got in your, in your, in your language and whatnot. Um, similarly, like you guys need to learn this. There's a couple of people that frequent my room a lot, uh, you know, that some of them might be here now and some of them aren't. Um, but when, when people are on stage after the, um, stage, sometimes people want to inbox me or we chat public, uh, privately or whatever in clubhouse and then they, they want to analyze all the li li different linguistic things that they heard while people are on stage and that and i love that stuff it's good it's uh, sort of encourages uh practice and encourages people to stay on point <sighs> people be wary of the people out there that refer to themselves as mindset coaches but they can't they can't chat nothing to you about how specifically to go about doing that. Be careful with the people that refer to themselves as um, applied psychologists, coaches, hypnotists, change workers, so on and so forth. Me, I find it really, really important to, for continuing education purposes, I, th I think that's what you call it in America. And then here in England, we refer to it as continuous professional development. I think it's extremely important to keep your knowledge up on things that are going to help you to be absolutely amazing, mind-blowing and excellent at whatever it is you do. And that's the main purpose of this clubhouse for me. I set this club out, a clubhouse a, a long time ago um, for people that are interested in coaching and mastery of NLP um, because they know the importance of continuing to learn new things. 
on that note, I just want to thank you all for being here. Um, it means a lot to me that you guys are here, staying, listening, and being here because there's like thousands of other places you can be. I'm going to get out of here and I'm going to order me some food and go get myself a drink and stop talking until tomorrow. Take care. Nanu, nanu. Arrivederci. Ciao. Bye bye. Thanks.